Welcome to The Legal Lunch, the legal and business podcast where we talk to the people behind the brand. We look at who they are, why they do what they do, and what makes them tick. I'm your host, Porik Grennan. Thanks for listening. Lisa McKenna, welcome to The Legal Lunch. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me. Congratulations on your recent award. You've Thank just you. won an award, actually two awards. Two awards. <laughs> Can you tell us about those? You were nominated last year yes. and you've won two this year. Congratulations. Yes. That's super. Thank you. Super. Thank you. Still a bit of a surreal moment. So I reached the final of Network Ireland for Emerging New Business um, last year. And this year I reached the final again with Emerging New Business. And then I was chosen by the judges for a separate category, which was Power Within, which was an acknowledgement of women who struggled through COVID and came out the other end. Okay. So two awards. Um, so I was the winner in the overall Dublin category for emerging new business. So that acknowledged new businesses from one to three years who had who have been successful. And then the second award, I came highly commended in the Power Within, which acknowledged w- women who um, had challenges through COVID like we all had and succeeded through it. Super. So what did it feel like when you, was that, it was a virtual award ceremony, I would take it. You didn't get to be there and walk up on stage and accept the award, which is a pity. But how did it feel? Was there, did you just get a call or was it done live or what way did that happen? Yeah, so it was done via Zoom, the award ceremony. Okay. And um, yeah, it was a fantastic evening. We had talks beforehand and it was a bit of a surreal moment hearing my name being called out because I've been finalist a number of times before and um, of course in business when, when you're nominated for these awards and you get to the final, um, like everyone wants to win of course, but um, winning for me really meant an acknowledgement of all the hard work that you do put into the business is that token to say that you know you are doing a good job and sure. it gives you that um, boost to keep on going. So sure. I was... <laughs> Um, it's still a surreal moment and I was delighted to well, win. Well done, well done. Because we were talking just before we, we, we hit the record button here about, yeah. you know, the obsession that we as business owners tend to have around our businesses. And, and we've already agreed, <laughs> both you and I share that. We're not yes. alone, I'm sure, in the world. So you're right. I, I mean, that whole, I mean, we, we eat, sleep and breathe our businesses, really. Um, it's an unhealthy obsession, as you pointed out to me at times. But, you know, I, I'm sure I've never won an award. I'd love to win one too. But <laughs> to, to, to kind of, to, to be accepted in the, to, by your, you know, by a big organisation like that, yes. um, it is a reflection of your success and um must must feel great. So tell me just on that, in terms of, you know, the obsession with the business. Talk to me about that. Uh, uh, you know how how you kind of, how do you manage to switch off? Because there's been mornings where I'd wake up in the morning and before I even open my eyes, I'm thinking about something to do with the business. I know, and we were talking about this, and I'm the exact same. I'm so glad someone can relate to me, because it is an unhealthy obsession, like. In a way, when I take something on, I become obsessed with it. And, and law and being a solicitor is something that I just love doing. It's a passion. It's not a job. I just relish every moment of it. I wake up in the morning and it's it's what gets me up, knowing that I'm coming in to help people to make a difference. Um, in terms of switching off, I don't think you ever do. And I think every business owner will relate to this in some way. In a way, like we discussed earlier, um, at times I nearly don't want to switch off. I feel guilty 
actually about switching off. I do try to take a day a week off, but really it's 24 seven, seven days a week. And I, while I appreciate you, you do need time out and time for yourself um, and your family, etc. Um, it is very difficult to find that balance um, because when you love something so much, um, yeah. such as your career, and you, when you have such passion for it, it is very hard to switch off. Yeah. Uh, did you go on a holiday this year? <laughs> no, not, not as of yet. But <laughs> either have I. Am. Either <laughs> this is not good. We need to talk yeah. to ourselves. Yeah. So in terms of your, your background then, are you from a legal family or how did you end up getting into the legal space? Yeah, no, actually, it's very unusual for someone not to come from a legal background or, or have some form of connection in the legal sphere. I had none whatsoever. Um, really, I always just wanted to help people. That's something that's um, within me. The, 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 so the, therefore, that's why I pursued the career in law. But no, absolutely, I've no background in law, no family come from law, which is very unusual. Okay, so when you left school, did you go straight and do a law degree or did you do another degree or what, what path did you take? Yeah, no, straight into a law degree. I'd done internships in a small firm in County Monaghan and really that was the, the moment for me um, whereby I remember walking into an internship, an unpaid internship at the time because, you, you, you know, you were jumping up and down if you got an unpaid internship at my time. So when I got that position, I was working two other jobs as well um to pay the bills etc when I got that position I remember the first day I walked into the firm a small firm in County Monaghan and I the first thing I said to myself in my head was this is what I want and from that day I never stopped and I said it to everyone I I'm going to do this I'm going to open my own firm to the point that people didn't want to listen to me anymore (laughs) so I think when I eventually done it 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 wasn't surprising to many yeah and what age were you at that when you had that kind of eureka moment, what age would you um, be? I would have been around 17. 17, yeah. gosh, yeah. So you're young. You're, you're lucky in, in yeah. that sense that at such a young age you knew what you wanted to yeah. do. When I put my mind to something, that's it. Yeah. Going for it. Good one, good <laughs> woman. You, you, you studied law. You obviously did your internship. You obviously went through Black Hall. Uh, you worked, you then moved to a firm in Dublin. Um, is that correct? Yes. Well, prior to moving to the firm in Dublin, I'd done a small bit of legal work in Bank of Ireland in their legal department and head office. And then from that, I went into my traineeship with a medium sized firm in Dublin and I trained with them, stayed on with them after I qualified. Um, And then I moved to a larger corporate firm and then set up my own. Okay, so how long after you qualified did you set up your own company? So it was three years after qualification. All right, so you set up your, so you, you did three, so that was pretty quick? Yes. Yeah, well, wh- why wait when you know what you want to do? Absolutely, yeah. In terms of your own practice then, what kind of areas do you do you try to focus on? Yeah, so our speciality is real estate and corporate law, so we do a small bit of litigation as well, but real estate, corporate law and litigation would be our main areas. Okay, very good. Can we talk about technology? Because obviously starting out in business, um, especially with the whole onset of the COVID situation, technology has become really important for small businesses, many businesses, but small businesses as well. So um, do you think that you're a a tech savvy type of person? Because I know you're quite active on social media. We'll get to that. Um, In terms of the, you know, technology, have you embraced technology? Do you think you use it as well as you should or... Um, where are you at in that space? Yeah, well, in, in terms of embracing technology, I don't think any of us have a choice really other than to embrace it at the moment because everything's online and digital. 
So I wouldn't say um, tech savvy, um, you know, turning off and on the computer is good. But no, I, I do utilize all social media platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter um, and, and Facebook at times uh, where I'm not es- essentially tech savvy, but I do have a, a team behind me that supports me a lot with all those platforms. And as I grew the company, obviously, I, I could appoint particular people to those positions who could support me and it's important to have a younger person assisting you with those as well because they'll know more about hashtags and what the reach is and who you are to reach um but it is so important that you move with the times and uh, and you must be on all those platforms to grow your business or else you'll just stay static sure because as we've discussed um, before before we started so many solicitors around ireland haven't done that um, and they're, I dare say, being left behind in a way or, or missing opportunities because they're not out there in the digital world. They're not on social media. It's very time consuming if you have, a, you know, a, a specific social media strategy. Um, do you, do you, how much of your time goes into that or do you use other people for that? Do you have other people that look after all of that for you? So initially when I set up, I was doing it myself, like you're a master of everything when, when you set up your own law firm initially. Um, and I was doing it, you know, I, I, I said, this is absolutely fine. I'll be able to go on to all these platforms during the day, but it's just unrealistic expectations. So I was posting maybe once a week or, you know, at random times. But but now I have a team behind me that actually does all the social media platforms for me. We have a statistic plan whereby we release the post at a certain time each day. It's all on a digital platform whereby we don't actually go in at certain times. They're released automatically. Um, you know, there's fantastic platforms out there such as Later, which is one of the scheduling platforms we use. And then I have another marketing team behind my team who assists us with SEOs and how we rank, etc. Okay, very good. Because your 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 the URL for your your website is pretty clever. Yeah. Do you want to tell people what that is? Yeah. So it's propertiesolicitor.ie. So again, I have to thank my marketing team that are behind me who came up with that strategy. Sure. Um, to to get us to that domain. So so you get a lot of hits for people looking for anything to do with property, I presume. So we do absolutely. And sometimes when we ask the proposed client, "How did you hear about us?" They said, "We just Google property solicitor." Okay. Do you come up on the first page in Google rankings for Dublin? I believe so. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I should yeah. know this, but no, we do. I think we were the second page and we're now the first. So you're telling me you don't check that every day? <laughs> no, <laughs> I wish I had the time to yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. sure, sure. <laughs> In terms of your website, do you keep an eye yourself? Do you have like apps to track track who who's on your website, that type of thing? Do you keep yeah. an eye on that? So that's our marketing team. But just yeah. as you say that, yeah, I got a, a performance a pr- review this morning. So I get it once every two weeks and it tells me how the website is performing, who's coming on, what age they are, what gender they are. So you get huge um, um, amount of information from from my marketing team sure. in terms of and how ju- it's rated. Just out of curiosity, what's the highest age bracket that would come onto your website? Um, it's between 35 to 45. So you're looking at maybe first-time buyers, yeah, most, most likely. And do you find it's easy to, can you get names and addresses or email addresses or anything like that? No, it would just say area, age and gender. Right. Yeah. So how do you go about then converting those 
potential leads. Is there any way? Yeah, well, that's the difficulty because in terms of converting them, they actually have to pick up the phone and call you and make an inquiry or email you. And then obviously you'd quote on them and it's it's just um, whether they proceed with you based on the price then. So they they see your work and they see your value, but it's whether they um, think your quote is based on it good enough for them yeah because i presume i would imagine that a lot of people at that age don't have a family solicitor unless they're using their parents list you know that property could be their first time when they would really need a solicitor do you find that's the case yeah i do find that's the case um back earlier on in my career i find that a lot of people did just use their family solicitor but those days appear to be gone now and people do appear to be um not going back to their family solicitor um, and, and in fact, going out and doing their own research and, and, and sourcing a solicitor online. In fact, for example, I had a client in with me and he, his son was actually a solicitor and in a large corporate firm. And he said that he, he got recommendations from his son, but he actually went out and this was an older client and he went out and actually sourced us online. Yet okay. his son, who was a corporate solicitor, had recommendations from him, but he chose the online version. Okay, very good. So do you think your reputation then among among in the profession mm-hmm. has grown because of your your obvious attention to the digital platforms? Do you think that's helped? Absolutely. And I, I hope we're assisting others um, by way of guidance or otherwise um, in the process. And I'm always happy to obviously help or assist anyone in any way I can. Um, I, I definitely think it does. I have a lot of people who've come to me and said, you're doing amazing online. And, you know, you wouldn't even realize that people are seeing it in a way or, or it's 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 um, they're taking notice of it. But it, but they are. And yeah. And yeah, I, I interviewed a guy in Belfast recently. He called those people lurkers. <laughs> that might be a bit sinister. I think I have a lot of lurkers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of lurkers. And you know, what it is, in fairness to you, you're not afraid to put yourself out there. No. And that's really I think one of the things is fear, isn't it? Yeah. Firstly, you might spell a word wrong or you might say something that just doesn't come out right or you could be challenged. People just put their opinions out and that seems to be what the issue is. People are generally Absolutely. afraid to do it. So, you know, those who those who, who dare win, isn't that what they say? Absolutely. So stick your head above the parapet, I think is the message. Is 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 that is that the message you'd, you'd give to colleagues that would Absolutely. be thinking about doing more digitally but don't? Yeah, and that's the fear uh, among colleagues. They're fearful. I've heard it before. Oh, if I put a blog out and someone, you know, doesn't like it or thinks it's incorrect, like, you know, the only fear is fear itself. And if I actually read a quote the other day um, whereby it said, if if you're fearful of critics in business, then you will never do anything interesting in your business. And it's so true. Like, you, you can't even think about critics or uh, what people's views are. J- just continue on, do, do your thing or, and become noticed. Not everyone's going to like you or not everyone's going to like your comments or your blogs, etc. But that's irrelevant. You're doing this for you and your business. Yeah, very well said. In terms of young practitioners out there who might be in full-time employment and are considering leaving you know we've got the uncertainty of post-covid we're still in the midst of it what would you say to somebody who's you know in a well-paid job and is thinking about oh well firstly will i will my job still be here in 12 months but you know there's all this uncertainty what would you say to somebody who's thinking that way you know uh, the lisa mckenna of three years ago that somebody's in that position 
G- given what's going on at the moment, what, what advice would you give to somebody who's thinking about possibly leaving or setting up on their own, should I say? First and foremost, I'd say don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking. No, I actually get a lot of people who come to me and call me up and ask me for advice daily um, in relation to setting up their own firm. And I always take the call and give the advice. But what I would say is, Ask yourself first and foremost, why are you doing it? Why do you want to leave that practice and set up your own? What's your reason? And if your reason um, is that you have a burning desire to make a difference, to go out, um, to break a glass ceiling or whatever it is, just once it aligns with um, your values, then I would say do it. But be mindful, it's extremely hard being your own boss. I've no regrets and I would never go back, um, but... it's your it's day and night you you can never switch off you have to know that you're going in and you have to commit 110 percent yeah I mean there are days personally I would reflect and go Jesus what have I done you get you get days like that um where where you can feel overwhelmed yeah with everything you've got a list as long as your arm to get to Mm -hmm. you know you don't have the time something happens you're distracted that takes a day or two of your time and that list is still there waiting to get to now I know that happens in employment as well but you're still going to get paid in employment so there are there there are pros and cons uh to to both um sides but um, absolutely like you said it's very easy to take your salary and walk home and and know that that business is someone else's problem um, you, you can't do that when you're on your business. Everyone yeah. else, e- even when you grow your team, like people think uh, when you grow your team, oh, life must be so much easier for you. It's not. It get it, it actually gets worse when you grow your team because you have a team then to support and, um, you know, that needs you to guide them, to support them. So, so it, it, yeah. uh, the bigger you get, the harder it gets, actually. Yeah. And you have a responsibility to them and, and their, their families, their yes. careers, yes. you know. They're not thinking about will I get paid this month? They just yeah, expect it, exactly. and that's that's just the way the the world works. So, yeah. so can we talk about your podcast recently with David McWilliams? That was that certainly didn't do you any harm in, in terms of profile. He's <laughs> so. What was that like? That experience being with David, and how did that come about? Yeah, another surreal moment, and definitely a career highlight for me because I've always looked up to David McWilliams, uh, like everyone does. Really, um, he, he's very admirable. So, actually, how that came about when we were talking about tech was from a tweet so uh, as you probably know David McWilliams is a huge supporter of micro businesses as he says it's micro businesses that rule the world um so he put out a tweet saying that he was celebrating his one year anniversary of his podcast and he would like to give back and support smaller businesses so we put out a tweet setting out our profile and he contacted us then that evening to say we'd like to have you on the podcast so an absolutely unbelievable opportunity. It you still feels surreal. Night. I didn't sleep. Even seeing David, it was obviously via Zoom. We done the podcast. Even seeing him and his team and everything, which is an unbelievable moment. Such a lovely guy. So humble. So funny. So intelligent. Yeah. Um. Someone I really look up to. So to be interviewed by him, it was just um a, a really um career highlight for me. Yeah, his podcast is fantastic. Can you tell me what kind of numbers might have listened to that? Do you know? I think it was 250,000. Okay, not yeah. bad, not bad. And we got, um from it, we got um 
like profile from America, England, Ireland, everywhere. Yeah, it's a diff- it's difficult to quantify how that might affect your business over time. You know what I mean? I but know. the thing about the podcast is people could listen to that in a year's time and say, I'm going to contact that firm for, for business. So yeah. hopefully you get plenty of business over the years for that. But what 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 uh, did you discuss mainly with David? So it was actually mainly focused around the fact I was a female-led firm, um, a, a, a woman-in-law who went out at a young age and set up on my own. It was mainly around that area and COVID and the challenges that I faced. Okay, so um, I know that's something you feel strongly about when we were discussing that. How do we address this issue of inequality then in terms of, of the legal profession? What What would you think or what would you say to you know employers who have female employees in this position or what's the best way to address how we kind of get the gender balance um, more aligned? Good question. (laughs) Um, Well what I would say is that it's really important to not bring when you're making a decision to not bring a person's gender into it. Imagine that that person isn't is neither male or female and you're just making a decision based on their work their commitment to the firm what decision would you make based on that? So you have to, you know, there's the unconscious bias. You have to take gender out of it and and value them as a person as opposed to whether they're male or female. Yeah, I think male uh, employers, I suppose, need to be aware that the gender bias exists, first of all, before they can address it. Isn't that, isn't that the thing? Yeah. So talk to us about when you started out in business. Like, I mean, you had nobody really to guide you because you'd know, you know, a lot of people who go into practice themselves might have a parent who is a, or an uncle or an aunt or a relative or a mentor. But uh, by the sounds of it, you didn't have anybody. So talk to us about, you know, the difficulties, the daily grind, if you like, in terms of actually starting out. Where did you even begin? You had no clients, I presume. Where, where, how does somebody go about setting yeah. up a law so practice? I, I, I said to one of my colleagues, I, I never want to go back to that time of setting up. And I feel, you know, sorrow for people who started out because it's a, it's a it's a tough road at the start. So I started up with with no clients. I had some existing clients from um a, a, my prior life, um who who I did take with me to the firm, but a small amount. So really, I started from the bottom up, and it was hard graft. Um, going out twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. And, you know, you, at that time, no one knows you, you're new. So people don't want to give you business. You're only new. Do you know what you're doing? Um, so really, I had to instill trust in people and get people to know who I was and the work I'd done. So that took time. That took months. And then from that, the hard graft really paid off. Like it was around month six, I suppose, of year one, whereby the, the business just started to flow in at that point. But um, it was extremely difficult from the start and it's very disheartening at the start as well, trying to get in new business. And albeit the firm has has grown substantially and, uh, you know, I, I have been very thankfully um, successful um, in my career, in, in my in my business to date. It's still difficult, like you're always still looking for new business, new opportunities and, and always looking to expand and grow the business. So I always welcome new opportunities and business. Sure. So anybody out there that might hear this, you're open for business. Absolutely. And can I ask, when, when you started off, did you start with, you know, the virtual setups? I know when I started, that's what I did. I had the virtual office. 
you know, and then we, we grew our team as well. So is that the way you start or did you work from home or did you physically take out a, a rent an office space or how did you go about that? Yeah, no, I physically took an office space in Fitzwilliam um, and it was a small office space. And then as I started to grow, I moved to a bigger office space in the same building. And then I moved to four upper Pembroke Street where I am now um, to an even larger space. And we've actually outgrown the space we're in. Um, it's unbelievable. Like the the growth. Um, I never thought we would outgrow the space that we're in, and now I'm looking for even a, a bigger space, but in the same building. Right, right. So you're actually the trajectory. You're looking for another space at the moment. Yes. Oh, very good. No, I, I mean there are incredible. It, it can be done on a, a real budget. I think in terms of. I mean, obviously, it's nice to have an office space to go to. Personally, I think that's real important. But for those starting out, it can be done on a kind of a shoestring, can't it? Because I know there are sole practitioners out there who have an address and they they work from home or they move around they don't physically have a space but they have a you know a call answering service and a, and, a, and a desk yeah now that has its pros and cons but absolutely when you're starting out you know you start from the bottom and work your way up it's just for solicitors it is difficult because you have to meet clients so you do need the office space and the meeting rooms etc just the answering machines sometimes that can be a downside because when someone's looking up uh, ringing up for a quote they just want a quote there and then and they want to engage you so you know you could lose business with that call and answering service as well to so just be mindful of that but um yeah no absolutely we started small and you know if you bought a new pen it was a big expense where you know as you grow your business then all that somewhat becomes irrelevant yeah sure okay so if people want to find you the, the website again is um mckenna and and we are on Twitter at McKenna and Co. We are on Instagram. We are on LinkedIn and we are on Facebook. OK, very good. As I said, very active in the social media yes. world. You'll see us somewhere. Yeah, you'll find us somewhere. <laughs> um, definitely more proactive in that regard than than I'd say 99 percent of firms uh, out there. So well done on that. Well, look, look. We wish you continued success with your business. You. We hope you find a space big enough for, for your firm <laughs> as you continue to grow. Yeah. And it's been great. We wish you every success. Thanks a million for joining us on Thanks The Legal so Lunch. Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you.